You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to the Habs Draft Special from Eyes on the Prize. And we're here today doing our own mock drafts and talking about the consolidated rankings that Jared Book has done for about, what is it, five years, Jared? Uh, this is the seventh year, I think I've done it. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, eighth year. Eighth year, uh, seventh at EOTP. The 2016 ones were just done. Uh, they, they weren't posted. They were, it was really bad. Uh, there were only five sources. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the seventh year at EOTP uh, and the eighth year overall. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a long time. Get a life, Jared. <laughs> This is my life. No, I'm kidding. Uh, all I do is look at draft rankings. I like how Anton just squeezed in there. Hello, Anton. Where are you now? We don't want to know because you're on the run anyway. Uh, I'm in Pristina. So I'm I'm hoping that the war won't start for another two days. That's not even a real place. You're making shit up you, now. You are not a real place. I Well, that's true. Matt is living in Newfoundland, right? And Matt and Anton is going at it as normal. Matt, how are things at your place? I, I'm terrific. It's it's a beautiful uh, rainy day here in uh, Rothsay, New Brunswick. And uh, I just got out of the gym and uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois has not been traded anywhere yet. So we get to continue on with that whole narrative for uh, as long as time will allow us to. Jared, just a quick question in regards to the rankings you said it was a mess eight years ago. What have you done in order to change it to become more of a um, solid mass uh, rather than just uh, exploding mass? Using more sources, first of all. Um, that's that's something that we, we, we've done throughout the years. Uh, there's also been a lot more you know, uh, sources out there uh, since, since 2016. Uh, and, and just a matter of, of using those sources and, and trying to figure out which ones are I don't want to say most reliable, but but I don't like to put rankings in when it's just somebody on Twitter who posts their rankings. Uh, I one of the the rules that I have for my myself is, is that we like to use it when they the person justifies their rankings uh, on a website or or things like that. Uh, and the the other thing that we do is we uh, now that we have sixteen this year sixteen sources, we remove the top two scores and the bottom two scores. Uh, and eliminate everyone who doesn't have at least six rankings out of the 16 uh, to just kind of make it more manageable and, and to make it more fair because we we penalize people if they don't have a ranking from a source. So basically we take the last ranking of that source, add 10 to it, so that way they're, they're penalized for not being chosen by somebody as opposed to somebody who's right, it's ranked last. You know, if, if we ranked everybody at, you know, say 101, uh, it doesn't really benefit the person who was ranked hundredth, um, so that's why we do it that way, and it, we get pretty good results, uh, about eighty percent correlation, uh, which is pretty good for for the draft, um, and and yeah, we'll see how it goes this year. Indeed, we do, and we're gonna do our mock draft. I will have to be honest, as as you guys already know, but uh, I had to redo my draft because uh, somehow. Chicago Blackhawks in my mock draft picked Adam Fantilli as number one. So I was like, I'm, I'm redoing this stuff. Uh, also, <laughs> uh, um, also Dvorsky went at four. So I had a, an option there with that was uh, quite interesting for, for obvious reasons. 
and I, and I felt it wasn't really realistic. But looking at it, let's go with you, Anton, because you're you're in Pristina and it's a pristine uh, podcast as of now. Let it rip with with who you picked at number five. Yes. So in my mock draft, which obviously was uh, it was from Draft Prospect Hockey, right? And we went by Bob McKenzie's rankings, mm-hmm. um, his last rankings, and um, uh, we went with around a thirty three percent randomness uh, chart. Um, just to make it as realistic as possible. And in my mock, um, it ended up with Bedard, Fantilli, Leo Carlson, and Will Smith selected one, two, three, four, which gave me the tantalizing option of either going with Matvey Michkov or going with someone not as exciting as Matvey Michkov. And even if it is a player who will you will have to wait for a couple of years to uh, to have in your system. It just seems like Matvey Michkov is too good of an option to pass pass up on. If, if you read from the uh, Elite Prospects Draft Guide, for example, when they have talked to, I think it was a Western Conference scout, and he said, like, if there weren't these problems, if uh, Matvey Michkov was just playing in the Western Hockey League, it would be a real conversation between him and Bedard, who would be first overall. And if you remember that, then getting him at fifth overall, even if you have to wait three years for him, it's too good to be true. And no amounts of Ryan Leonard's or David, David Reinbacher's or Zach Benson is going to change your luck that much as having him. The potential of a franchise altering player at number five. I'm going to leave it to Matt to just respond directly on this. Uh, uh, I went with Matt Vemichkov. I was. I, I've maintained somewhere the universe is starting to implode. <laughs> I, I I can't I can't pass up that kind of talent at fifth overall if it's sitting there. If, if I'm the Montreal Canadiens, I think that's the pick that they have to make. They can afford to wait for him. Um, their timeline is is not one that's going to see them competing for the Stanley Cup next year or the year after. Now they could try to accelerate that. They could make some some big moves in the offseason that we don't have, you know, in our foresight at this time. But I, I think they could afford to wait. I think it's it's a wait that they if if he's available, that they should take the opportunity uh to get that elite talent. Uh, I think it's almost universally agreed that he's the second best player in this draft. It's just the concerns over how long it's going to take for him to come over and whether or not he'll come over and whether or not he's interested in playing for that team. That seems to be the impediment to people uh, putting him higher on the on their draft boards. So for me, if he's available, I've always said from the beginning, you know, it'd be if Leo Carlson or Adam Fantilli don't magically slide down to number five, I would take Matt Vemichkov if he's there. And then after that, it would be Zach Benson. So I sat there for a minute and I was looking at Zach Benson like I wanted to take him. But I've always said, you know, if Michkov's there, I'd take him. So so I did. Uh, I think. That, that level of talent something that's too good to pass up at fifth overall. Well, staying with Europeans, I'm going to be there. And I did have the same option as you guys. I'm a huge Smitschkov fan. I think that Montreal will compete a little bit earlier than when Mitchkov comes over. Um, so I actually went with David Reinbach. Carl is also with, with Thibaut's podcast and what he told me about him and made it more inciting to pick a player like that rather than just thinking like it's it's a really bad pick it's not it's a it's a good solid pick he will be an nhl stud for for years to come is he that fantastic player that matvey mitchkov is probably not let's be honest about that i don't think as you mentioned matt not many are um i've, I've been on the mitchkov hype train i'm i actually was with 
the Montreal Canadiens scouting team when Mitch Cobb scored his first uh, national team, men's national team goal in in uh, Sweden hockey games um, with the lacrosse goal, obviously, or Michigan goal. Um, we were just shaking our heads. Everyone was. Uh, I still went with Ryan Bacher. It's a hole in the organization, really. Uh, even if he doesn't pan out as a first uh, pairing kind of guy, he will be on your second line forever. And uh, you won't get him next year. And so he is on that match of Mitchkov map as well, because he's asked uh, the teams from what Thibault said that uh, he wants to finish his his diploma in in uh, Switzerland. And it's something that, that Swiss, the Swiss school system takes very seriously, and he takes it very seriously. And that speaks to me as a very mature, smart player on and off the ice, uh, which is something that I think Montreal can need and, and build something around. So I'm going back to, to Jared, who started the conversation but didn't get to say anything. I went with, with, uh, with Ryan Leonard. Uh, as my pick, I also had the choice of Mitchkov. I had the choice of Reinbacker. Uh, I, I'm not opposed to either of those two. Uh, I'm of the the theory that any pick that they make is is wait and see. Uh, I'm not gonna freak out or or make declarations on on draft day and saying oh they had to pick so and so or so and so. So uh, in my mind, I think Ryan Leonard is is a really good player. Uh, he's a player that. It gets in your face. Who brings something that uh, that the Canadians always need, and every every playoff team needs uh, a guy like that. And when he's you know on your in your top six, like Leonard is is expected to do, uh, I think that uh, it's something that you take every day uh, in the draft when you have the opportunity to. Uh, you know, if it was up, you know, part of this also is I didn't want everyone to take <laughs> the same players, so I went a little bit over. Uh, that as well, but but no, if if it's not if it's not Mitchkov and it's not any of the top four, for me, uh, I think Leonard is is the next next guy in that list, uh, and and I think that it allows the Canadians to be creative uh, a little bit later in the draft as well, and we'll get into that how how that Leonard pick plays into what I did later on and what I think the Canadians could do later on as well. Indeed, and and this is really the situation that is going to happen. Uh, most likely, is going to happen at the the table for Montreal Canadiens. They will have to wait and see what the teams in front of them are doing and who's left on the table. We've heard uh, from Tony Ferrari, I think it was, that mentioned that Columbus is looking to pick a big center, uh, which speaks about Leo Carlson, most likely. That means that it's going to fall down to, to San Jose with Will Smith, Mitch Cobb, or any other player they have high on their draft board. Or Anaheim. Or Anaheim. Well, you really think they, they take Mitch Cobb at two? I think it's possible. Uh, I, I don't. I, I think it's possible that, you know, until this report came out about Columbus, I, I think it's, yeah, I think it's possible. I, I think if, you know, Anaheim doesn't really, you know, they're not going to compete. They're even a worse spot than Montreal. I mean, they have a lot of good young players, but there's so many holes on that team that, you know, I think that's why a lot of the conversation of trading down because then you can get Mitchkov, wait a few years, and also get an extra high pick. Uh, I remember when, when I was, you know, we didn't do any trades in this scenario in, in this simulator, but when I was when I was doing the the simulator and they have like the draft pick chart that allows you to make trades, you know, you're able to trade number five, say, for eight and forty, 
which is a high second round pick with Washington as an example. And so if Anaheim can get a, a low first or a high second to go along with, you know, say Montreal at five or any of the, the top 10, I think that that's something that you, you take into consideration uh, just because they have so many holes on, on that organization. But yeah, I think it's possible. Do I think it's likely? No, I, I think it's very likely that Montreal has the choice uh, of Mitch Govin or Will Smith uh, at five. Uh, but I mean, it, it's, I mean, you know, the draft very rarely goes according to plan. Very rarely. So, oh, so, so at this we point, all know that. <laughs> I, I, so at this point, I mean, you know, anything's possible uh, except for anybody else, but Bedard going number one. Matt, who would who did you pick at 31? Well, Jared brought up, you know, the draft not going according to plan or according to rankings. And uh, that's kind of what happened in my mock draft. Uh, I think the Habs are going to be targeting Ethan Gauthier with number 31. I firmly believe that if he's on the board, uh, they'll probably take him. But that depends on who happens to fall. And in my case, I was shocked to see Quentin Musty sitting there at 31 and I couldn't pass it up. Uh, he's a big winger, uh, high floor guy. Like he, he just fits the profile of an NHL player. He's going to be in the NHL. And if he develops well, he could be a legitimate, uh, you know, big time power forward winger, uh, for a long time in the show. So, uh, too good for me to pass up, uh, seeing Quentin Musty at 31. So I went over one of my favorites and Ethan Gautier to, to take him because he was sitting there. And that's something that the Habs, are going to be looking at throughout the course of this draft. There's probably going to be some guys that have no business being available when they pick that they're going to have to take them uh, because they happen to slide that far. Uh, so I, I think Musty's one of those. I'll be shocked if he's available at 31st overall. He's a, a top 15 pick on some boards uh, ahead of the draft. So I, I don't think he'll be there, but he was there for me and I couldn't pass it up. Anton, I was surprised to see that no one really fell. Uh, well, I wasn't surprised because it was a mock draft with less randomness. I did one with maximum randomness the first time around, and that was more fun because then you could get top 10 rated players at 31. And that's all we hope for. But now I had the option of guys like Oliver Bonk, Lukas Dragicevic, uh, Tanner Molendik, the goalie, M- Michael Rabal. Uh, but I went with, uh, well, basically the opposite of Quentin Musty and Gavin Brindley, uh, the University of Michigan uh, right winger, who is 5'9", 157, well, at least listed as that. So a smallish winger um, has been kind of operating in Adam Fantilli's shadow, um, but he would probably have gotten more hype if Fantilli wasn't there. Um, he is... Um, on our um, consensus board, he was ranked 25th, and um, yeah, he has a lot of a lot of elements that you would like in a in a winger. A lot of people are going to complain now that I'm drafting a small guy in the first round. Uh, obviously, he's 18; he can still grow into you know bulk up a little bit, but he's just he's named as a Swiss Army knife. He can do a lot of things really well. He can, uh, you know, both shoot and pass and skate uh, quite well. And, uh, you know, he, he's a dyna- dynamic player who can add a lot to to an offense. And I think at the end of the first round, that's as good as you're going to get. I went in the same kind of uh, vein as, as Anton. Uh, Brindley wasn't there for me uh, in mine, uh, but I, I was able to pick Bradley Nato. Uh, and Musty wasn't in mine either. So uh, both of those two guys are, are ranked higher in the consensus rankings. Uh, Musty's 22, Brindley is 25. Uh, I picked Bradley Nato, uh, who is 30th in our consensus rankings. Uh, just playmaker, uh, shooter, uh, scorer. 
uh, the shades of, of Mike Hoffman, as elite prospects put it. And while that might scare you, <laughs> uh, we have to remember that Mike Hoffman was good at a, at a time. Uh, not the Mike Hoffman that's currently with the Canadians. Uh, but no, I, I just think that, you know, it's picking picking Leonard uh, in the first, with the first pick or the fifth pick, the first Montreal's first pick, uh, gave me options. I could have gone defense, but none of the options that I really like were there uh, in that spot. And I know there's going to be some that are going to be available uh, later on in the draft as well. So uh, with 37, pick 37 looming, I, I went for the the top player on the board. And then, you know, position-wise, we can look and see who's who's dropping at that point. But yeah, I went with uh, with Bradley Nato. Yeah, and I'm going to get slammed because, uh, well, Anton picked a small guy. I'm picking Europeans. So obviously I got Edward Chalet from uh, Comita Brno in, in Czechia. And um, it, it might be due to my uh, knowledge or, or friends in Czechia and the knowledge I get from them. What, what they said was really he should have gone over to, to BHL or, or CHL or any of the junior leagues after the World Junior Championships and play there for the rest of the season. Uh, the Czech league is, is a tough league, especially for youngsters. And all of them, uh, the, the five people I spoke to in regards to this, said the same thing. There is no tougher team for youngsters to come up in than Berno. So confidence issues, um, tough to play, get earning time to play in the league, etc., etc. All this was against Chale. I think he's having a breakout year next year in regards to this, no matter where he will play. So I went with them. Obviously, the, the musty went at 27. Uh, and the other ones went as well. I was looking towards maybe getting Harbel at uh, the goalie, but on the other hand, I was like, no, you don't pick a goalie in the first two rounds unless you're very, very sure of them. And goalies for me are voodoo, so I'm not doing it. Well, I can, I can just fill in on that because you're speaking about the Czech and the goalie, and I've already spoken about Michal Hrabal, and I actually selected him at 37. My thought of that was also, as you obviously, like goalies are voodoo. You don't know what you get in 18-year-old goalie, obviously. But sometime you just got to, you know... We end up like Montreal has selected a goalie in each draft, basically, and they, it's always been a late round, you know, flyby or whatever. You're just taking a freebie on, on a goalie late. Um, a couple of years ago or three years ago, you took, uh, for example, a Czech goalie who uh, was playing for the Omaha Lancers in the USHL, and that has worked out pretty well. Uh, Jakub Dobesh is now signed to an AHL deal with Laval. Um, so why not do the same again and pick a Czech goalie from the Omaha Lancers in the USHL? Uh, Hrabal is almost uh, two meters tall. He's 6'6", 216 pounds. He's a massive, massive goalie who fills out the net. And he is currently listed as the top goalie prospect in the draft. And I was, as I said before, I was considering picking him at um, 31. And then he was available six picks later at 37. So... I'm not expecting in the real draft that Montreal will pick both 31 and 37. I think they're probably going to package that, that into something more exciting. But if they were to end up picking, uh, getting a playmaker in Brindley and a goalie for the future in Hrabal, you could do a lot worse. Indeed, you can. And there is this talk about needing a goalie in the pipeline that lost two goalies this year. 
if I remember correctly, on top of my head, Defal and someone else, which I forgot. And Rubredic is the other one. Uh, yeah. But but he can t- he can technically stay around because he's played pro. There's a loophole that allows him to keep the right his rights for I think two or two more years. I think. Uh, so yeah, but yeah, it's it's definitely a concern. Yeah, and you can continue with with who you picked at thirty seven. Yeah, I, I, I as I say that goaltending is a concern. I could have gone with another goaltender, uh, but I did not. Um, I again, I, I wanted to go perhaps uh, right defense. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys in that in that range of late first, early second. You know, there's Oliver Bonk, uh, Dragasevich that that Anton mentioned before. Uh, but both those guys were gone uh, by 37. So my 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 waiting to see what would be there at 37 didn't really work out positionally. Uh, but what was available there was Oscar Fisker Molgard, uh, Danish center, playing in Sweden. Uh, and every time I I read scouting reports on him, all that sticks in my mind is Lars Eller, and uh, perhaps that's a little bit of uh, you know that he's a two way center, um, some offensive upside. Uh, and I just think that when you have an opportunity to take a player like that, you that's that's those are the players you build, and you know are flexible, right? They can play wing, they can play penalty kill, they can play up and down your lineup. Um, so yeah, that that was the pick that I went with uh, at thirty thirty seven. I reached a little bit with number thirty seven, fifty uh, sixth ranked in the consensus rankings compiled by Jared. I went with Kalen Lind from the Red Deer Rebels. Um, anybody who's seen this guy play, uh, knows he's an absolute nightmare, incredibly physical, uh, like to the point where, uh, he was playing in the top prospects game. Right. And very early on in the game, he absolutely wallpapered Zach Benson and set the tone for a game that ended up getting really testy. Uh, that, that those games have a tendency to get pretty intense and he made it that much more intense. And then he dropped the mitts in the third period with, uh, Alex Farah who he was giving up about three inches and 50 pounds against that guy and then held his own and was landing some good shots. This is the kind of guy that I know he's ranked 56 overall in the consensus rankings, but we saw it last year with uh, Samuel Savoy, who went way higher than his rankings were projecting him to go. Teams are looking for that kind of sandpaper player who can also put up points. And that's exactly what Kalen Lind is. For me, that pick was kind of a coin flip between him and Etienne Marin, a defenseman from the Moncton Wildcats. I was looking at it and uh, I couldn't decide between the two. So I literally flipped a coin, uh, not going to lie. But Kalen Lind, if they happen to get him, I would like to see him more down at like the 69th pick, to be honest. But I don't think he's going to make it that far. I think somebody's probably going to homer pick him uh, pretty early in the second round. Uh, so to see him available at 37, I was like, you know what? I think that's a pretty damn good pick, and uh, I'd go with it because he's the kind of guy that if you've got him in your lineup come playoff time in the NHL, uh, he he's going to be the kind of guy that you know everybody who's cheering for the team is going to love him. Everybody who's cheering against the team or playing against the team is going to hate him. Uh, so he's exactly he fits that kind of mold of a, a playoff performer in the NHL that that really uh, comes to play when the games uh, matter the most. So uh, Kalen Lynn, 37th overall, and I reached as well. Um, and you got to be honest and tell me how much I reached here. But I went with the guy I published a, uh, an article about uh, on Monday, and it's uh, Felix Nilsson, and or Felix Nilsson as he's used to to hear his name. But obviously, we're comparing everyone to Arthur Lekkonen, and this one is pretty damn close. Uh, not a great skater. Uh, coming into the draft, neither was Arthur Lekkonen. He worked on it for four years before coming over to Montreal. Uh, 
but he has that hockey IQ, the hockey sense. He sees the ice very well, can be used in both the zones. Um, what I find really, really interesting, having seen him a little bit on TV in the under-20s, is his one-touch game. Um, you could also, you could almost call him a tiki-taka player because he moves the puck so fast. And it's not always that his, his, his um, teammates understands what's going on. But if you, if you have a player like that and play with him for a couple of, of months, you're going to start understanding... And and I think I'm I'm going out on a limb here, and I think he has seen the Sedins growing up, and and he plays a little bit like with that one touch that they had together. Um, I was looking at David Edstrom as well, uh, another Swedish player who had a really really strong under 18s, but I'm not convinced about Edstrom, and in the end. It was one tournament against a season. And then David San Luis's uh, voice cut through in my brain as well. Obviously, I was really high on Felix already. But he said, we had him until the under-18s. We had him higher on elite prospects than we had with Otto Stenberg. So I was like, yeah, let's go for it. Um, that, that left me, uh, obviously, with three Europeans with the first three picks. I'm sure that is not going to happen. But if it does, I'm going to have one heck of a year to, to cover all those Europeans if they all stay in, in Europe, obviously. Um, going down to, what is it, the 67th pick? Uh, no, 69. 69. Uh, <laughs> then, I took, nice. then I took Luca Pinelli <laughs> from... Uh, uh, Ottawa 67s in OHL center, small, um, gritty. As you guys have mentioned, you're looking for those gritty players that maybe, maybe plays a little bit higher uh, tempo, a little bit um, grittier than their size should, should let them do. Uh, a little bit like a honey badger. Um, obviously, a relatively late birthday as well. That speaks to me, um, but but that was about it, really. That I knew about the player. I've heard the name somewhere. I don't know if it. Was... Yeah, he also his big brother uh, was drafted by the Kings two years ago. Yeah, but I also think that one of the uh, guests on the pond has, has spoken about him. Uh, so so something lingered. I'm not as um, you know. I'm old, Anton. I can't really remember what happened two days ago. So asking me to remember what happened two years ago is. You know, a lost cause. No, it's just because it was one of the few draft profiles I actually wrote that year because we uh, we were in the finals, so we didn't really write that much. But I remember Francesco Pinelli. And who do you have at 69, Anton? I have uh, Aram Minetian, uh, who I'm guessing is of Armenian descent, um, a player, a right-handed defenseman uh, out of the U.S. national team development program. Um, he uh, It was a weak class for the uh, defenseman out of uh the us but he uh, played uh he played well and he played well in the u18s uh here down the line uh where he was one of the um one of the more uh shining uh stars on the defensive side for for team us um he says himself uh, that he is a two-way defense a two-way offensive defenseman who uh 
the unique thing about me is that I'm as good offensively as I am defensively. You can put me in any situation. Apparently in April 2023, he was quoted as saying that. And that sounds pretty good. Um, he's a pass-first uh, offensive defenseman. Um, someone who basically, he's not the most physical guy, but he can get in there and break up pucks just by being smart and getting in the way. And uh, he can create off the rush and he can set his team teammates up for success in the on the power play. Um, right-handed defenseman, always, you know, uh, difficult to find. And if you find someone who has played at quite a high uh, level already in a, at the beginning of the third round, that sounds great to me. Darren? I, I kept, every time I, I did, you know, this isn't the first mock draft I, I, I did, you know, I've been doing them all week, all weekend. Every time I got to at least pick, you know, this pick, pick 69 in the third round, I, I needed to have at least one right defenseman, right, one goalie. Uh, two needs in the organization, and in this one, I, I went forward, 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 and I really didn't want to take another forward. And like, sure enough, I get to pick sixty nine, and sitting me straight in the face is Jaden Perron, uh, of the Chicago Steel, USHL, uh, undersized forward, and I I see this pick is as another Lane Hudson, you know, a smaller player, late, you know, third round, late second for for Hudson. And he's just a a smart, skilled player. Uh, he, if it wasn't for his size, he'd be a lot higher. Where have we heard that before? Pretty much everywhere. Uh, and I just, as much as I wanted to go position, <laughs> positionally here, I, I couldn't pass him up. And I'm like, whatever. There's gonna be a you know defense and goalies later on. <laughs> I I can I can do. That. I there's not gonna be another Jaden Perron later on. So yeah, in, in this one, I, I I went that route and. And this is what you can do when when you pick, you know, in in my case, I picked Leonard at number five. Uh, Pat picked uh, Ryan Blacker at number five. When you do that, you, you can, you know, maybe go and get one of the, the smaller forwards later on and and not have your organization overwhelmed with, with smaller forwards. And I'm not saying that's a reason to pass on, on Mitchkov, but um, if you pay, take Mitchkov, you don't take a guy like Perron maybe later on in the draft. So, uh yeah, in this case it, it kind of worked out for me. And uh I, I'm you know very happy with that pick and I'll I'll deal with defense and goalies. Uh you know, at the next, draft. next next pick. <laughs> next pick or another draft, exactly. Exactly. You know, I had the same issue. I started thinking position and I started thinking goaltender. I think we can all agree the Habs need to pick a goaltender at some point. Had my eye on Carson Bjarnison from the Brandon Wheat Kings, uh, but he went the pick before mine at 68. So at 69, I decided uh, a little bit of a reach, but not a big reach. I went with Adam Guyan. Um, I think everybody was impressed by what he was able to do at the World Juniors uh, the past season. So what, I'm, I think I was about five five picks ahead of where he is in the consensus rankings. I think he was 74. Um, I know you don't want to make a pick based on one tournament, right? But what I saw from him in that, in that World Juniors, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I've watched him play in the USHL. I don't watch the USHL, not going to lie. But what I saw from him in that tournament, you know, big goaltender, uh, covers the net really well, really good lateral movement, very athletic, particularly for his size. Uh, I, I think they could do a heck of a lot worse in terms of adding to their goaltender uh, pool there. And, uh, you know, for me, again, I was thinking position, the guy I wanted went. And then, uh, you know, I, I, I took a look at what goaltenders were still on the board and guy M was sitting there for me. So. I was like, you know what, let's take him, uh, see if we can develop this guy into an absolute beast in the NHL. Uh, again, what I saw from him in that tournament was nothing less than fantastic. So uh, I'd love to see him in a Montreal Canadiens uniform one day. We take a quick break for our sponsors. 
Thank you for waiting. We'll get back to the real episode in a moment. The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. And we're back. Indeed. And I actually went with the goalie in the next pick at 101. Um, and uh, I went with an overager that has been passed over twice. So I went with Thomas Sushanek, more or less on the same reasons as you did, uh, Matt. Uh, we shouldn't really care for one tournament. He had a good season in the WHL, but really what stood out was his play for Czechia in the World Juniors. And and uh, that caught my eye. It was a positional need. I took it. Uh, I'm not sure. The good thing, or, or the, unfortunately, really is that you only have two years uh, to evaluate him coming out of, since he isn't coming out of a European club or coming from the NCAA. Um, so, so that really hampers. You need to make a quick decision. Can he translate this game quite fast into the AHL? I'm not sure. But he was there. It was, and to be honest, um, Jacob Fowler went to pick ahead to... to uh, San Jose Sharks. So I was like, okay, who's the next goalie on the list? And I grabbed him. At least we're getting a goalie. <laughs> I wish I could say I did the same thing, but I, I really want to take a goalie at this pick. But the guys I was looking at, Damian Clara, Scott Ratzlaff, were all taken. <laughs> so I'm like, all right. Uh, I'm, I didn't want to reach for that next tier of goalie quite yet. Uh, with another pick coming at 110. Uh, so I was like, okay, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm going to take one of my other positions. And I went with Matthew mania, uh, right defenseman. Uh, and it's, uh, not only does he have the name of the draft, in my opinion, there's a lot of good names in this draft, but Matthew mania is, is one of the best. Uh, we have that every pod no Matt is here. On. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's no We're, better name than Matthew. Come on. Every day at Eisner Prize is Matthew Mania, um, especially when there's a bottom six minutes. Uh, no, but uh, yeah, Matthew Mania, right defenseman, uh, is is offensively gifted, but also good in his own end. Uh, I just think that there's a lot of upside with this pick. Um, he's uh, with Sudbury Wolves of the OHL. Uh, 85th in our consensus rankings. Uh, his highest ranking was a 46. Um, so I mean, it's just a, a player that I think had upside, fits a positional need, uh, and and was one of the the better players available uh, at that pick for me. And so I just really went with that one. Obviously, like speaking of uh, you know deficiencies and everything, we have to get Pat someone to cover, right? So uh, if he can't go to Russia and cover Mitchkov, at least he maybe can go to Leksand and cover Felix Ungelsarum, a Norwegian-born Swedish player who played for Sweden in the World uh, Junior Under-18s now. Uh, he has really been coming through. He's a point-per-game player in uh, um, point-per-game player this season in uh, um, 
the um, uh, J20s and um, even got his debut with Lexand, uh, playing seven games in the SHL this season. He's so young that if he was only born 48 hours later, he would have been eligible for the 2024 draft instead of this one. Um, so there's a lot of potential here. He is a deceptive player. He's a playmaker. He uh, He's really quick uh, in and out of his strides. Um, I know that Hadi spoke glowingly about him when I asked who, who the hell this guy was um, when he suddenly had him in, in his in his 40s in, uh, in his um, list of prospects uh, going into the draft. Uh, but yeah, Felix uh, Ungelsalum, my 101 uh, for the Montreal Canadiens. 101, again, I was thinking positionally, like Jared mentioned, defense is another area where, you know, you kind of think you can do it a little bit later on in the draft. Uh, and so I did. I went with Dylan McKinnon from the Halifax Mooseheads. Anybody who's watched the Halifax Mooseheads uh, in the past season, you know, their offense was mostly centered around Jordan Zumet and uh, the like up front. <clears throat> Dylan McKinnon was a very steady presence for them on the back end. Very good defensively, big body. And I think the offense is coming along with him. So I think he's lower in the draft than he should be because people are not seeing the offensive capabilities because he didn't really get a chance to show them very much. Uh, I think he's a guy that when he develops, he's going to be uh, not necessarily like a, a 50, 60 point defenseman, but I think he could easily be in the 30, 45 point range and with a plus in the defensive end, because he's very physical um, and he's not even filled out into his frame yet. So this guy's going to be a menace uh, when he gets to the next level. I think he's way lower in the rankings than he should be. And getting him at 101, I think, would be a coup for the Habs. This is the area of the draft where you start thinking, are you swinging for the fences? Are you looking at a late birthday? Because, as, as Anton did uh, with Unger Sörum, you have more or less another full year of development under your supervision, uh, rather than, than uh, having someone taken very, uh, or at least before Christmas, in 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 this year's draft, so so you have that all these things that that you think are you thinking on a positional need as a goalie in this case because there will be goalies left, and and you might have a favorite goalie of those. It, it it's a big big discussion and really it's a it's a crapshoot in some ways. And and when you do a a full mock draft and Jared, I think you said it in the in the chat. When you reach these numbers, you're really not sure of whom to pick anymore. Even how the, you can have done a lot of research, but if you're not David San Louis or Hadi that has spent about 700 hours on, on research, you're at loss here. Yeah, uh, I read the over the weekend the the every prospect profile in the Elite Prospects Guide, uh, and there's a lot of them in there. I didn't read all the game reports. I didn't read all sixteen hundred pages. I'm not a maniac, uh, but but yeah, it, you know, even doing that, I get to these picks, you know, in the hundreds and two hundreds, uh, and I'm just like looking at the list. And I'm like, I think I recognize some of these names, but I don't remember anything about them as players. Uh, and, and it's just, it's uh, it, it kind of gets a little crazy. Uh, but I'll, I'll go with my my number one ten pick. Um, and uh, I'll start that off because I went with uh, with Joey Willis uh, of the Saginaw Spirit in the OHL. Uh, just uh, another two way forward, a uh, lot of upside. I, I just think if you bring if you put a lot of these guys together, and you know you have the the two way effectiveness of players uh, that have 
the ability to to go up in the ice and and have intensity and use that intensity. Uh, you can never have too many of those guys, and if if they all end up making the NHL, then you figure it out afterwards. Uh, so um, I I think most of my most of my picks can be described as. People who are five ten to six foot, uh, and and uh, can play two ways of the ice, and are just annoying to play against. Uh, and uh, I, I think you know every forward I've taken has been has been that way, except for for maybe Jaden Perron is a little bit shorter than that. But uh, yeah, I went with Joey Willis. Um, probably his his biggest fan is is Lauren Kelly of Elite Prospects, uh, and. Uh, just like Owen Beck was a favorite of hers last year, uh, and that one was proven right. So I've I've gone in that direction again. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that that's where I went with one ten. One ten. I stuck with uh, defense, and I went with one of the best names in the draft, Brady Cleveland, big boy from the U.S. Um, I saw I, I liked what I saw from him at the uh, at the under eighteens. Uh, he looked pretty good there. Offense offensively, I mean, he's not going to blow the doors off uh, from a scoring perspective, but he's a big body. Uh, I, I, I wanted to try to get a mix of size and as well as small skilled players uh, when I was doing the mock draft. So I saw him come available there and I figured, you know, it's a pretty good pick uh, from a defensive standpoint. I don't think you're going to be able to develop into a guy that's going to score a heck of a lot at the NHL level. But let's face it, you can't have a bunch of scoring defensemen. You need to have some guys that can stay at home. that can make it a nightmare to play against you in the defensive zone. And that's what he does. So took him at 110 and i went with uh, a partner for our form for our future slovak line um we have Juraj slavkovsky at the right wing we have possibly philip mesher down the middle and then we need a left winger and we found him in andre molnar uh who used to play for hk nitra in slovakia but changed to the airy otters where he played 34 games during this uh last season he wasn't blowing the roof off uh, the Otters, uh, he only had 19 points in those 34 games and a minus 27 uh, <laughs> plus minus statistics, which is not very impressive. But we know for a fact that it's it can be difficult for, um, you know, uh, European guys and, and maybe especially Eastern European guys coming over for the first time to uh, to North America and just finding their stride instantly. Um, he still has already. Uh, he turned 18 on February 8th. He already has 60 games in the Slovak men's league uh, under his belt and has played for the uh, uh, for the Slovakia under under 20 national team and the under 18 naturally as well. Uh, under 18 uh, during last season, he was a point per game player while he played for the national team there. Um, so yeah, um, a fun Slovak addition. Uh, so we can find more and more of these. Um, yeah, just call us the Montreal Slovakians. Yeah, and I, I went with um, someone that, that played in Slovakia, his brother, uh, at least I think so. I haven't actually checked it up. But uh, I went with uh, Jordan Turingi. I needed some French guy in there as well, obviously. Positional need, you need a French guy. Uh, out of the queue, had a really, really good second year with the Schoenigen Kataraktes. Kataraktes. I, I want to say that in Spanish, but I know it's not correct. He's been a quarterback running the power play. Um, what is it? Six goals, 41 points, ranked fifth on the team in scoring, second on, on, on defense. Um, a little bit of a breakout season. And and I think it is... I don't watch the queue a lot. I know it's it seems to be a little bit of a uh, monker and, and, and beating down on the queue. 
But uh, yeah, um, I, I like him. Obviously, I like his brother as well. So uh, we'll see what happens. And uh, that that's my pick. Bright defense as well. Doesn't really hurt. With my ne- the next pick, I actually went with uh, a goalie, finally. <laughs> finally filled that hole um, that, that I've been looking for. And I went with uh, Thomas Milich, uh, over-age player, Seattle Thunderbirds. Um, at this point, I was really, I, I knew I needed a goalie. So I, I just, you know, sorted by position and took the best goalie I thought was there. And, and Milich was, was the guy who was there. Jared, it's never good to draft for need. You always end up overdrafting when you do that. You look, when you're in the fifth round or whatever this this pick is, um, and and we're not professionals. Uh, we just pick the names that we recognize. <laughs> if we're being honest here, <laughs> but we, we don't have a team around us, right? That that tells us who. Yeah, no, pick. exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I mean, look at this point. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you know, I like Milic. I, I think this is probably a little higher than he gets picked in real life, but uh, just to make sure I got a goalie that I I liked. Uh, I went with him here. And I can be very quick. Uh, 128, I selected Jordan Tourigny um, to uh, reconnect the Tourigny brothers. Obviously, it's a, it's a too good of a pick to uh, to not happen for the Canadians, having both of the Tourigny brothers in the pipeline, um, with the eventuality of them playing together in Laval or even the Canadians down the line. I had Turingi in my sights as well, but uh, as you guys know, I'm the number one booster of all Swedish players uh, of all time, really. I, I think I'm well-known <laughs> in the hockey community as being a huge booster. So I went with Zeb Forsfjall. I hope I pronounced that right. I definitely didn't. That's a pretty good uh, pronunciation, right. Matt. Well, we're there. So my, my exposure to him is pretty limited to the under-18s, but I liked what I saw from him. Uh, really good playmaking uh, at the under-18s. Undersized guy, but like I said uh, on the previous pick when I was going after a guy like Brady Cleveland, I want a good mix of size as well as smaller skilled players. And Forcefield strikes, strikes me as one of those guys that, you know, he's he's just he's he's got it when it comes to the passing. Uh, really good vision on the ice. I liked what I saw from him at the under-18s. And I saw his name sitting there, and I was like, you know what? Jordan Turigny went to pick before at 127. I'm like, who am I going to pick? Uh, and again, I'm the number one booster of all Swedish players of all time. So uh, I decided to go with the Swedish guy. And we're we're going to give him a nickname of the Jedi. You know, use the force when he gets to the NHL. So uh, 128, Zeb Forsfjell. In in Sweden, everyone just thinks Seb McKayen from how the West was won. But but fair play, you go with the force instead. I also picked Forsfjell. The Forsfjell Great from, minds as we think Swedish. Yeah, but I'm not a booster of Swedish players. That's the problem. Everyone trusts you. No, no you hate me. European players, man. It's it's wild. I don't understand it. Yeah. Actually, this pick is partly what I saw in, in the under-18s, but mostly it's because of his coach. Mm. I really, really like Robert Olsson. I think he has a great hockey mind. I think he should coach in the NHL one day. But development-wise, I think he will give this player a chance to succeed in SHL when it comes to it. And and I think that matters a lot. He's going to have an opportunity to not only play two or three minutes a game. He's going to get a chance to play a lot of minutes when it happens. Um, I also, I'm, I'm uncertain if he's going to be center or winger it speaks to me that he's going to be a winger down the line but you never know he might have a 
a note from his doctor saying he's going to grow a couple of inches more. Who knows? And then I went at 133 with Alex Wehrmeyer from U.S. national team and or development program. Um, center, winger, we don't know. Um, a little bit of an underwhelming player from, from what we have come to expect out of the new uh, development uh, team. He was there, 6-1, uh, plays a two-way game which means that you can pencil him in more or less on every spot in the bottom six and move up uh, into the second line because of injuries, etc. Uh, something I think, uh, if it pans out, I'm not saying it's going to pan out, but if it pans out, you can do that. And those are the kind of players you're going to need if you're going to run a deep playoff uh, performance. Yeah, I went with some guy named Ben Robertson, uh, who I've never heard of but apparently was the USHL's most productive blue liner at even strength this season. Uh, he's going to play for Cornell University from this upcoming year, uh, going the NCAA route. So you're going to get him for four years, um, which is always good. He can potentially develop into some sort of uh, power play quarterback if it uh, ends up being just at the AHL level or if he can actually squeeze into some kind of um, Chris Weidman type of role in the NHL. You know, that would be great uh, to get that in. Where are we? Round five. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Ben Robertson, a guy who is not even on the NHL draft rankings. Um, so he was difficult to find. Uh, I, I went with another right-handed defenseman. And, you know, what? what's the goal here, right? The goal is to eventually hoist Stanley. And what better way to hoist Stanley than with a player named Hoyt Stanley, um, who was my pick. Uh, the dad jokes are coming in fast here now, guys. <laughs> you know, as I'm as I'm entering names into the list, um, I, I have his name, and his name comes up, so I'm like, okay, Control F Stanley, and I'm like, hey, that's a pretty funny name, and so I don't know, but even he's there, I, I just, you know, six foot two right hand defenseman, uh, he has above average grades in skating, passing, and puck handling. Uh, he's a physical player, and I think that if you if you can skate, if you can pass, uh, and if you're physical and you have the size, um, you know you can you can try and make uh, a player out of that. So, uh, especially this late in the draft, you're drafting for tools, right? No, no, no player drafted this late is a total package. So you you kind of uh, draft for for the package, and um, just reading his profile, he's a player that that stuck out. Uh, not only for his name, uh, but for the abilities, and um, you know, putting him with uh, with Matthew Mania on the right side of my prospect death chart uh, is is a is a good swing for me, Matt. You know, I also went with a uh, six foot two right handed defenseman, uh, but I went with Caden Hamill uh, from the WHL. He split the year between two teams, Kamloops and Everett. Um, I think that when players get traded midway through a season in their draft year, I think it has an impact on their rankings. I think this is a guy who's probably considerably higher on the rankings if he's stuck with one team. Like if he was with Kamloops the whole way through the year, I think he's a little bit higher. Not We're not talking like first or second round here, but big body guy, good defensively, and he seems to have some significant scoring upside as well. So uh, again, trying to get my balance of skill and size and uh, getting that six foot two big body defenseman uh, this late in the draft, it feels just feels right. And who do you got as your next pick? Uh, what number are we on now? Uh, we're on 144. 44. I went with uh, Austin Roast 
again from the WHL. Apparently, I'm just loving on the WHL players. Uh, another guy who played with Everett. I saw him a few times during the course of the year uh, and was definitely very impressed with him. Uh, the guy had over a point per game in the WHL, which is usually uh, those types of players, they tend to go pretty high in the draft. So the fact that he was available uh, this late, I think it's because he was passed over once before because he was available in last year's draft, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I, I think this is a great pick for them, a uh, good upside pick. Uh, and I think the Habs have had a lot of success drafting older players later on in the draft before. So I kind of wanted to continue that. Uh, when I saw him available, I thought it was a smart move. Yeah, he's not rusty. So I picked him as well. Anton? I was busy searching here if Roast was spelled R-O-A-S-T, um, but apparently not. Um, no, at 144, I went with a player that Jared has already picked a little earlier, Joey Willis uh, from the Saginaw Spirit. I was the smart GM here and selected him. You know, I held my breath a little bit and I was able to select him a full round later. Uh, but uh, apparently he's an intelligent player. Uh, he plays a good two-way game and uh, his low point total shouldn't, um, you know, steer you off him. Uh, apparently he has more potential than, than that would show. So uh, Joey Willis from the Saginaw Spirit at 144. Jared? Uh, my pick at 144 was Beckett Hendrickson uh, from the U.S. National Under-18 team. You just wanted another uh, Hendrickson. Great name. Great name. <laughs> another great name, yes. But I, I just think that, and Pat mentioned it when he mentioned, when he mentioned uh, the player he took from the U.S. National Program. I, I just think that, you know, this, this team was such a, a top-heavy team um, with, with those... Um, with that, that you know, the big line of, of Perot, Will Smith, Ryan Leonard, that I think that some of the guys who are, you know, maybe on that second or third or, or fourth line on that team, um, are going to, to come up and uh, and show something that they didn't get a chance to show on, on that team. And, and I think that you know, you saw it on that, that 2018 team, uh, that was unbelievable. There were players that that kind of snuck up and and you know, out, out produced. Um, some of the players who played higher on that team and Hendrickson is, you know, six foot two left shot winger, uh, high vision has, um, good transition game. Uh, I just think that, you know, uh, like I said before, you're, you're going with tools, uh, and you know, he has the size, he has, he has the, the ability to, to, to surprise, uh, from where he is and, uh, that that's what I was, that was my pick at one forty four. And who do you have? At- yeah, one sixty five. I I went back to to the right D, um, and, and picked a a big physical defensive defenseman, Carter Sotheran, uh, of with Portland. Uh, hey, in, I have him as well in the WHL. Um, just uh, again, I didn't get the the top end talent at right D, um, that I I might have wanted you know early on in the draft because they didn't really fall the way I wanted to. Um, so just going with that and and hoping that that they strike and between Southern and Stanley and uh, and Mania, um, I'm I'm really comfortable that that one of those guys will make it, uh, and and just a lot a lot to like. Um, I think at this point in the draft, I'm not a huge, you know, pick big players because they're big, but when they're big and they can skate, uh, and they they show some ability, then those are the guys that that kind of get overlooked a little bit, right? Because they, um. You know they might not have the production and things like that, but uh, especially on 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 defense, uh, the Montreal Canadiens have shown that if you if you're a big guy who can skate, you can have um, you can have an NHL future. I think Arbor Jacka is, is an example of that, right? He's um, never really had huge production, but but was able to to get his other tools to a point where 
uh, he he was a, a solid player, and, and I think that that's that's kind of the the new model of of D. Um, and so yeah, so that's why I went with at one sixty five. Yeah, I can also add to that since I also have Southern at one sixty five. That he was ranked fifty fifth um, overall in Elite Prospects final ranking. So getting him at one sixty five just felt like too big of a steal to pass up on. Um, you know. As they say, like, you know, in a different era, he would have been pigeonholed into a shutdown role, but he has he has more potential than that. He is a, you know, he skates well for his size. And as you say, a comparison with Arby Shekai, even if I probably think Shekai as a player is more physical, but still, you know, uh, getting that kind of like big, uh, big defenseman who can move that late in the draft sounds great. I went uh, again with an overager. Somebody's already been passed over before. I went with Ty Higgins from the Akadzi Bathurst Titan. Um, look, he was a guy who's playing with Riley Kidney for uh, a lot of the year until Riley Kidney got traded. So I got the chance to see him quite a few times. He's a late bloomer. He didn't even make his debut in the QMJHL until last year. And he actually did very well on a struggling uh, Titan team uh, in this past season. So I, I, I think he deserves a look. Um, I think he deserves an opportunity to go to a camp. I think he's probably a guy that's going to need a few years, like maybe has to follow that uh, Miguel Turigny uh, path of going to Europe for a little bit before he can turn pro in North America. But he, he's, he's a guy, again, late bloomer, uh, got good size, and he's got good scoring uh, coming from the blue line as well. To put up 41 points in 68 games on a team that was really struggling to put the puck in the net, particularly after they traded away Riley Kidney to capitalize on his value, uh, I, I think that's admirable, and I think it's worth a, a late pick here. Again, the Habs have had success taking some of those older players later in the draft. Continue that. I think I think it's a smart way to go to look at players that are a little bit more developed, a little bit older, um, and a little bit more projectable because you can see what they've been able to do uh, at, at, at a bit of a more advanced age. I just went with a fine pick, so I went with Ryan Fine. Um, I have absolutely no idea about him except for him playing out of the U.S. National Team Development Program. Uh, which speaks a lot to me. So 5-7, though, that's going to be probably one of the shortest guys in the draft. I'll give it a shot. Uh, this late, you you you, you draft on, on uh, names or upside or whatever you know about someone. So for the 197th pick, <laughs> I obviously realized that it wasn't uh, Adam Engstrom's kid brother that has signed to go to university. It, but I, I did draft Liam Engstrom out of Örebro anyway. Don't, don't worry to anybody listening. To anybody listening, we're going to do a lot more research when the Canadians pick these picks <laughs> than, than when we're making these picks. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So uh, at 197, I, I finished my draft off with uh, also a U.S. national team development program player, um, Beckett Hendrickson, who you've already talked about, Jared. We picked a lot of the same players yeah, but here you late picked in the him, draft. But... You picked him with the last pick of the draft, right? Because you wanted to rank him I did. the last spot. Yeah, it's also because, you know, obviously I'm a more skilled GM than Jared. So I select all these players slightly later. Uh, no, but it's just Hendrickson apparently is one of the more skilled passers in the draft. Um, uh, but he, he is a pass first and almost pass only uh, kind of player. Um, but, uh, you know, He's he's young. He can still develop more of an arsenal. He uh, he's a quite a good transition player uh, already. Um, yeah, so getting him at one ninety seven uh, that finishes off. My, and also, my you draft. wanted to put him at last spot in your top twenty five out of twenty five. I don't want no no no. We don't need a Hendrickson for that. We have other guys. Matt, I've actually researched my one hundred ninety seventh pick uh, pretty pretty well. I took Cole Burbage from the St. John Sea Dogs. That's my local team, so I've seen him plenty of times. 
Uh, he had 50 points in 68 games as a rookie in the QMJHL on, again, a struggling Sea Dogs team. They barely made the playoffs. Uh, and then they got bounced out in five games by the uh, Gets No Olympic. Uh, he's a guy that has, it, I would call it elite hockey sense. He gets by on the fact that he thinks the game at a very high level. Uh, he's six foot one and only 160 pounds. So I think that is the main reason why he's not ranked higher uh, because he is a beanpole. He's very tall and very lanky. And that affects his skating a little bit. He skates sometimes like a guy who just figured out that he has legs, but because he's so smart on the ice, he's always well positioned. He's putting himself uh, in places where he can succeed. He drives the net very well off puck positioning. Fantastic. He gets himself into the slot and makes himself available for passes. Uh, I think this is a guy that's going to have a breakout next year. I think if he adds a couple of pounds, uh, well, more than a couple of pounds of muscle, which should be easy for him given his frame. I mean, I was waiting to interview Riley Kidney after a game one time and he walked past me with his skates on and he's, he's so incredibly tall. Like I'm six feet tall and I know he had his skates on, but he was dwarfing over me. The only issue for him is adding some of that muscle, getting a little bit stronger on his skates. And uh, I think that'll help him with his skating issues as well. Uh, again, this is a hockey sense bet, and I really hope that the Montreal Canadiens make it because he's a guy who could slide out of this draft, and then if he breaks out next year, we're going to see him go higher, even though he's been passed over once. We might see him go higher in the draft. So uh, I hope that if he's sitting around available for them at 197 or even at 165 that they take him. Interesting. Always good to have people that have seen more of these picks later on and knows a little bit more. Jared, who's your last pick? I finally uh, went uh, to Sweden and and took uh, Albert Wickman, uh, left-handed defenseman uh, from Fargestad. Um, 6'1", 194. Um, again, you know, over six feet, really good skater. Uh, I think you know, I think that that's that's the the model of of player you look for, especially this late in the draft. Um, you know, just a player that you know he. He played 11 games in the SHL last year um, as a draft-eligible player. Um, obviously, probably didn't get very many minutes in those games, but just the fact that he's he's get, you know getting that experience. Um, I just think at this point in the draft, uh, why not take a swing and, and maybe you get another Adam Entram uh, later on. And and uh, yeah, to, to go with, with... Yeah, I mean, I, it's just... At this point, there's so many guys that, deserve to be drafted like if you read profiles or, or watch you know under 20 under 18s um there's so many guys who are not going to get drafted who you know Im would impress you in game or or who, whose tools impress you and it just shows that you know even though there's like 200 and you know whatever 220 something picks in the draft there, there's there, there's so there's more players than that who, who might deserve to get a look and that's why you see these guys coming back uh, as overagers so yeah i know it's it's a fun experience um, to, to do this and, and kind of see what you do. And um, really looking forward to seeing what, what the Canadians do and, and deep, deep diving into those picks. You've been listening to Absent Minded, another draft special with the full crew. I want to thank Jared, Matt, and Anton, wherever now he is, because he's just making up silly names now, uh, for taking the time out of the day to do this. Uh, we hope to see you on draft day. I know Matt and I will definitely do instant reactions as, as normal. Uh, Jared and Anton will probably write up um, profiles about who's been drafted or which trade has gone where and if Pierre-Lac Dubois has come to Montreal or not. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for participating. 
Enjoy the drive. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.